What it is, everyone. Welcome to The Buffer and another Isopod episode. My name is Erpin, and today is Tuesday, October 13th, and I come to you today with a sad, a mournful, a grieving heart. Because se acabó, se fini. The NBA season concluded this past Sunday with the Los Angeles Lakers winning their 17th title. The NBA season, which started over a year ago, October of 2019, and it finished in October of 2020. The longest NBA season in history. A challenging season, to say the least, especially for the championship team, the Los Angeles Lakers. I'll get into that in a little bit. But just before all that, just major, major kudos to the NBA for pulling this off. I think if any of you listeners listening around to any of the sports talks, media, articles, shows, any of that, you'll... Everybody's kind of giving the kudos, the fist tap, the chest bump to the NBA. And I've done it myself on the last isopod. But I'm going to do it again. The NBA were the first major American sport to try to start again amid this pandemic, right? Everybody kind of questioned the validity of what they were trying to do and whether it was even smart and justified. And honestly, I think most people were skeptical, yours truly included, and also my fellow co-host on this podcast, that... It was kind of a precarious idea, to say the least. We thought there were going to be some hiccups, some issues that were going to crop up, definitely some tests. We just didn't think the discipline and the ability to be as proactive about this pandemic would just be possible with the amount of people that were going to be in this this bubble, right? You're talking 22 teams were invited and personnel and coaches and all that. Not a single positive COVID test. No drama, no issues. There were a couple minor little speed bumps here, but nothing of note, nothing of importance. So big kudos to the NBA for pulling this off. They got all the way through, got an NBA finals, got a legitimate champion, I think, right? I think there's some talk about an asterisk, but I think everybody out there, any prominent journalist or sports media opinion person has pretty much said, hey, no asterisks. And I'm going to agree with that. No asterisks. And obviously, I'm a Lakers fan. Anybody who's listened to this, you loyal listeners know on the previous podcast, I'm a Lakers fan. And I'm not just saying that because my team won the NBA title. I would have said that regardless if Miami would have ended up winning, if the Clippers, God forbid, if they would have won or the Celtics or anybody, I would have been okay with it. And I say that because the the playoffs themselves have been phenomenal, right? They have just been uh, breathtaking at times, you know, clutch moments, high-pressure situations, just the level of play has been awesome. There have hardly been any sloppy games, games in which it looked like the players had taken three, four months off. So big, big ups to the NBA for pulling this off. And the NBA, just the playoffs, no asterisks, everyone. Just the level of play was top-notch. Even when you look at the Lakers, the Heat, the finals, the Heat were shorthanded, but they played big in a couple of those games. Jimmy Butler had two of the most transcendent NBA Finals games you're ever going to come across. And the Heat pushed the Lakers. They did. This was no walkover. This was not like the inevitability of the Warriors, the Curry, Durant, Thompson, Draymond Warriors, which you just knew they were going to win. I mean, they were almost invincible. This was not like that. I mean, I think there were moments, several moments in this series where people felt like, hey, the Heat, watch out. 
They got a chance. The Lakers better be careful. I mean, I think most people thought, hey, Lakers will get it together. No big deal. But I think there was trepidation there, right? People thought, hey, man, this is going to be tough and it won't be a walkover. So I think that the Lakers have earned this title, one of the more difficult titles in recent memory, probably. Not as far as the level of play and the opponents they faced off against, even though I think the Lakers, at their credit, they faced off against some really great opponents all every single round of the playoffs. No, they didn't face the Clippers, I know, but I mean, we don't even know if the Clippers were that good. They flamed out in the second round. Who's to say the Clippers are even that formidable of an opponent to the Lakers? I mean, I'm sure it would have been a good series, but I don't buy the fact that, hey, the Lakers avoided the Clippers, and it could have been a different playoffs if that happened. Because as we saw, the Clippers just were a mess, right? They were a mess by the time the playoffs came around. They were even lucky to get into the second round in some ways, you could say that. And, you know, I'm going to save the elephant in the room conversation, you know, the conversation that'll make you want to gouge out your eardrums, the LeBron versus MJ, the GOAT conversation. I'm going to save that for later, okay? Because if you had enough of that, I don't blame you. You'll see all the little notes and the timestamps in the chapter section of the, your favorite podcast app. So you can skip ahead to that conversation. I'll get into that. I, I got two cents on that. Um, but let's just talk about first overall thoughts about this championship, the 17th championship for the Lakers. We got to start off with LeBron. What else are we going to do? He is the storyline. And it's funny because after the first two games, LeBron played pretty good. But AD, Anthony Davis, he was the guy, right? Everybody thought, hey, he's probably going to be the MVP of this series, or he should be. And then, you know, he had a rough game three, foul trouble, and then LeBron didn't really relent. And then he went toe-to-toe with Jimmy Butler. We all know that game. Game five, that was just an epic. One of the better final games I've ever seen. I don't want to, you know, speak hyperbole and all that. I can't really put it into context. It's too fresh still. But it was one of the best finals games, right? They went toe-to-toe at the end. Amano Amano, right? Player on player, both guarded each other down the stretch. You just don't see it that often. But LeBron's 17th year, fourth finals MVP. He's played in 260 playoff games. The discussion about whether he's the greatest of all time and everything, you know, we're going to table that for a little bit. But let's just talk in a vacuum right now. He's in his 17th year. Third team. Won a third title with the third team. Each team that he's been on, he kind of built from the ground up. Miami, he did have Dwayne Wade. But the rest of that team was kind of constructed on the fly after LeBron got there. Cleveland, his second go-around, that team was nothing except they had Kyrie a couple other players but he built that team up Lakers they were terrible when LeBron got there that was the big thing I don't know if you guys remember they got shut out in that free agency kind of they expected to get LeBron and Paul George and that was the whole deal everyone thought it was a package deal to get both of them but LeBron decided to come alone two years ago and everyone wondered and questioned why would he do that Why would he choose to go to Los Angeles, a team that hadn't made the playoffs for five or six years, were one of the worst teams, right? The Lakers had two or three number two picks in the past five or six years. Why would he go to that team? Most people thought, hey, he's just trying to kind of head off in the sunset, chill, kick his feet back, go on the beach, you know, relax, have a pina colada, you know, maybe, you know, wait around long enough for his son to get to the NBA and play with him. And I think I question some of that too. 
being a Lakers fan myself when he came, I wasn't as excited as you would think I would have been to have LeBron. Because I, they just didn't have much else. But LeBron stuck it out. Didn't have a He had a great year by his standards last year, but he got hurt. Lakers didn't make the playoffs. And then they get AD, and now it culminates into a championship. In his 17th year. And there were moments this playoffs where LeBron kind of looked, he just looked a little off. He looked like he might be missing half a step or, I don't know, things just, we were questioning him. But maybe he was just slow playing us, right, like he does all the time. Because when the finals rolled around, LeBron turned it on. By statistically, this was his best finals performance out of the four finals which he won the MVP, his previous four victories. 17th year, he shot almost 60% from the field for the series, almost averaged a triple-double in his 17th year. I mean, I don't want to keep harping on that because even for take the age out, he could be a rookie. He could be in his fifth year. The numbers he's putting up is just astounding, right? People don't put those numbers up in the finals. The type of numbers he put up, there's only four or five other players that have put up, I think, 25, 10, and 5 in the finals. Each of those guys... They've only done it one time. LeBron's done it six times. He's averaged that in the finals himself. The others have only combined for a total of five. So it just shows you the level of consistent dominance by LeBron. And you know, the, the, the crazy thing is the NBA is one of those things that what you see is what you get on the floor, right? You cannot hide any of your flaws in the NBA when you age. This is not like the NFL. I see some comparisons being made to Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, you know, as far as LeBron and his longevity and how he's been able to stay on top. The difference is in the NFL, you can build a team around an aging quarterback and still be very competitive and even win a Super Bowl. Look at Peyton Manning when he went to Denver. I mean, dude had a noodle arm, right? Yo-yo arm. Couldn't get the ball anywhere. And they won a title because that defense, Vaughn Miller, they were just tremendous. Brady, his last Super Bowl, he was okay. He wasn't that great. But their defense was good enough to beat the Rams. And Brady's still an all-time great quarterback. He's still pretty good. He's not Peyton Manning level in Denver. But my point is, in football, you can build a team around an aging guy who's showing flaws, and you can still be super competitive and win a Super Bowl. You cannot do that in the NBA. You cannot do that in basketball. And the reason I'm saying this is, it's one thing to say, hey, LeBron's still good at this age. But to be this good, be an finals MVP at this age, you cannot have any flaws in your game to be at the top of the mountain like LeBron. If he was slowing down at all, if he was just a fraction of the player he used to be, you would it would be evident their their teams wouldn't be that good. And LeBron would people would start whispering, "Hey, he needs to retire." You don't get the same kind of a margin of error that you do in other sports. So the fact that he's doing it at this level and he never gets hurt I mean, I don't want to jinx him, but at this point, I mean, he's 17 years. I mean, jinx is whatever, but never had a major injury. The growing injury last year was his most major injury, and that's honestly not even that large of an injury if you think about it from a career perspective. And you could see him this year in the playoffs. He was getting bumped. I mean, they were getting aggressive within some of these series, especially the Heat. He's just taking every hit, and one doesn't care. He looks like he might turn his knee, hyperextend something. He just gets right back up right? I mean, even let's look against Jimmy Buckets. Jimmy Buckets has played a tremendous series overall. He had back-to-back games of 40 plus minutes, right? They're playing him like Thibodeau days. I'm sure Jimmy Buckets was given the side eye to Spolter like this motherfucker here. 
I thought I was done burning the oil here with Thibodeau in Chicago. And now here I am back in Miami playing these, you know, absurd amount of minutes. But he had to, and he played great. But LeBron himself played 40 plus minutes in multiple games. He didn't play as many minutes down to the T as Jimmy Buckets. But look what happened to Jimmy Butler. Game three went off. Game four came back down to earth a little. Game five went off. Game six, eh, not really that great of a game. He was all right. Look at LeBron all those games. He played nearly the same amount as Jimmy Butler, but he doesn't look like gassed at all, right? He looked fresh the whole series. Just shows you the level of athlete LeBron is compared to even other fellow superstars who are in the same stratosphere as him, but they're just, they ain't living on the same block. And I know what you guys are thinking. I know what some of you listeners are probably thinking. You're probably thinking, oh man, you're such a Lakers homer. You're such a LeBron homer. You know, what do you know? You're so biased. Let me tell you something. I have mentioned this on a previous episode, but I was a big LeBron hater as recently as 2018. When they went against the Dallas Mavericks, I love Dirk Nowitzki, okay? Love him. I was rooting hard for the Mavericks, not because I just love Dirk Nowitzki, but I hated LeBron. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was a huge Kobe diehard fan, Lakers fan, diehard Kobe fan. And Kobe was kind of always compared to LeBron later in his career. So I was always a Kobe stan, right? It was always Kobe over everybody. Fuck LeBron. And then that Dallas series happened. I was at the Dominican with my boys, celebrating my bachelor's party. And I remember we were at a bar in the Dominican. Every, but the vitriol, just the vengeance, the anger people had in that bar in a foreign country towards LeBron during the finals. I just looked around like, damn, people do hate LeBron. And I did too. Sports hate, not like real hate, but sports hate. And I never rooted for LeBron in any of the series where he was with the Heat. I always rooted for the opponent. And a lot of that had to do with, you know, my standing, my inability to get off the bandwagon of Kobe and being able to give anybody else respect. But 2018, when he carried that Cavs team, Kyrie had left the year before in a trade and it was basically LeBron and a bunch of scrubs, bums, against the all-time you know Warriors team, Curry and Durant. They got swept. But that game one, LeBron had 50-plus points. And that whole postseason, LeBron was dragging those guys into the finals. And I remember before they even got to the finals, I said, man, this guy, LeBron, I got to give it up. No more hate. No more criticism. LeBron, he's the man. Definitely better than Kobe. I had to admit it. I gave LeBron his props. That was two years ago. Over two years ago. I mean, I did not want to give LeBron his respect, but I had to. I mean, how can you not? If you're a true basketball fan, I don't care how you feel about LeBron. I don't care how you feel about his moving around to different teams and his lack of loyalty, disloyalty, whatever you want to call it. You got to respect this man as a player. He is he is as money in the playoffs as anybody probably since, yep, I'm going to say it, his airness, Michael Jordan. I kind of look back. I did a little thought experiment. I was curious because numbers do something, right? Numbers prove something sometimes. I wanted to look back because I don't remember LeBron really having a bad game. Occasionally, he has one. And obviously, against the Mavericks in the 2011 finals, he had a few that were clunkers. But I looked back. The last time I could find a LeBron game where I looked at the stats, the efficiency, the whole total stat line and thought, man, not so great. I had to go back to 2018 playoffs, game one against Boston, Eastern Conference Finals. He went five for 16, 
had 15, 7, and 9, had seven turnovers. He was minus 32 in the plus minus, and they lost by 25. Got their ass whooped. That was 40 playoff games ago. 4D playoff games ago. He hasn't had a bad, quote-unquote, quote a bad game in 40 playoff games. You know any big game, LeBron is the man, which is funny because for many, many years before LeBron won his first title, which sounds so silly now, people question whether he had the killer instinct, whether he had the heart to even win one title, right? There was this talk of what if LeBron ends his career with no titles? He'll be like Charles Barkley, like where will he fall in history? That seems like such an absurd argument now, which also leads me to say that like any young player right now that you think won't get over the hump, give them time. They probably will. So LeBron won bad game in 40 of his last playoff games. And that wasn't even that egregious of a game. Now, yes, the 2011 Mavericks series, that's going to be kind of a, you know, a scar on his resume forever. But, you know, it happens. Shit, he's been to 10 finals. You're going to have games that are clunkers. It's going to happen. But my point is, since 2011, he really hasn't had any. LeBron just shows up, man. I just couldn't believe that. I knew it was a while, but 40 games ago since he's had a bad game in the playoffs? That's absurd. And during his career, now this has become a LeBron love fest. I know this podcast. I don't mean it to be that way. And trust me, if you would have told me this three years ago, I would have said, hell no. I'm not going to sit up here and just you know, spit on the mic eloquently and lavishly, you know, put praise on LeBron. Hell no. But this I'm showing you, I've turned court tables have turned. And obviously he's playing for my favorite team. So there's a little bit of that. But when he came to the Lakers, Los Angeles was a Kobe town. Trust me, there were many fans who really were, they were happy to have LeBron, but they were not going to relinquish that love, that loyalty and, you know, put it upon LeBron. It was kind of like, Hey man, yeah, if you win, yeah, whatever, but you're not Kobe and you never will be. I mean, they defaced his murals, right? There were Co there were Kobe, sorry, LeBron murals and paintings all over the city when LeBron came, right? The king of LA, quote unquote. And they were getting defaced. And I think a lot of it was done by Kobe fans. They just didn't want the memory of Kobe, his Lakers memory tarnished by this new, you know, Laker great that just kind of came in on a whim, you know, just a kind of hired gun. But LeBron's, you know, made believers out of everybody. This is what LeBron does everywhere he goes. There's always trepidation and anxiety and hate a little bit towards this man. But he always ends up leaving you better. I mean, once he's gone, franchise goes to shit because the cupboard is bare. There's nothing there. But always takes you to the promised land, right? He almost always makes it to the finals. I want to talk about players that were supposedly better than LeBron his whole career. If you're a LeBron hater right now and you don't want to hear this, hey, man, please, I understand Skip ahead, tune in next week. But if you're willing to listen and understand and listen to my argument here, you'll kind of get where I'm coming from. These are players that were allegedly claimed to be better than LeBron during his career. Kobe, Bean, Bryant, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard. There's a few others, you know, James Harden, Westbrook. I don't think people really thought they were better than LeBron, but there's arguments to be made there. But these players, especially recently Kawhi and Giannis, these were the guys that people said, you know what, they're the best players now. And who ends up on the mountaintop again? Consistent as ever. Playing defense, the type of defense for the first time in his career since he played in Miami. LeBron James. Again, champion. 
and best player again. And it's funny how quickly that conversation shifts. Before this playoff started, even as it kind of began a little bit, it was like, okay, Kawhi's the guy. Kawhi had a couple big moments in the Mavs series. It was like, hey, man, Kawhi's the best player. And Giannis, before the playoffs started, a lot of people were arguing for Giannis potentially being better and thinking that LeBron has slowed down. And here we are, yet again, 17th year. Every challenge thrown at him, we have LeBron again. Champion again. It's just, it is, it's crazy. And I, I can't believe he made it this far, this consistent without getting hurt. Because I remember... 10 years ago when LeBron was definitely looking like he was going to, you know, overtake the legacy of Kobe as far as the NBA, you know, status. I was like, well, yeah, but talk to me in 10 years, right? Kobe's going to end up playing 20 years or something. LeBron probably ain't even going to make it past 10, 12 without having a major injury because of the way he plays. And look how wrong I was 17 years in still doing it. So let's just, let's, let's, let's give him, let's give him some love uh, if you hate LeBron, you hate him anyways, whatever. I don't care. Um, but I'm a professed former LeBron hater, and I got to give this guy credit. And I'll give the Lakers credit in spite of everything they've done this year. I know people are tired of hearing how great the Lakers are. and You know, wah, wah, wah. Woe is me, the Lakers. You know, they've been through so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got their 17 titles. Shut your ass up. No, they've been through some stuff this year. I mean, LeBron said it with his post-game speech when he was getting the MVP trophy for the finals about giving respect to people in the Lakers organization. And I think the two people that stick out the most probably are Rob Palenka. I think everyone kind of um, got on him and think he was way over his head, you know, former agent. And he put this team together. He swung the AD trade. He signed some of these fringe free agents like playoff Rondo you know, found Caruso undrafted in the draft, drafted Kuzma. These guys, you know, Palinka had a hand in all this. He constructed this team, obviously with, you know, LeBron, the GM, quote unquote, the de facto GM kind of chiming in, I'm sure, the last few years. And LeBron, you got to give him credit, obviously. He, I don't think he promised a title when he came to LA, but I think internally within the organization, he promised, hey man, I'm going to get you guys to the promised land. Just trust me. And he did. In his first full healthy year, he got them to the promised land, even with all this bubble and all this crap. So let's get to the conversation, man. Let's get to the eardrum gouging conversation, the one that you guys are all tired of hearing about. And if you're tired of hearing about it, I completely understand. Tune in next week. We'll have a full cavalcade of hosts. We're going to go all over the place, all over the sports world, political world with other stuff. But right now, I'm just going to get into it a little bit because I have to give my two cents. I'm not going to go too deep into it because I think a lot has been said on it. But, you know, this conversation, let's just be honest, is about as stale as day-old bread at a deli, right? My quick thoughts is that MJ was probably better, but I, I don't know. I think that has more to do with this aura of invincibility than anything, because the main argument Jordan stands fans have is that, hey, man, he didn't lose. Nobody could beat him. You just knew you could not beat Michael Jordan. And yeah, that's probably true. Um, but then again, he wasn't nearly as scrutinized as LeBron in his career. Or honestly, any player, great player in this generation for that matter. I wonder, you know, like with social media, modern day sports media, would they have dented Jordan's, you know, armor or invulnerability? Like, 
how much would we have questioned him and his ability to lead and some of those series pre-finals that went seven games and some of the tougher series where Jordan couldn't, you know, just dominate teams. I don't know. You know, I, I mean, back then the landscape, media landscape, everything was different, right? He just didn't receive that type of criticism. And, you know, just, I mean, just imagine, you know, the Skip Baylesses of the world is ranting and raving, right? In real time back in those days about MJ, he's not clutch because he missed, missed a shot late, which Jordan did a lot. He made a lot, but he missed a lot too. Just imagine the type of criticism he would face. And then maybe there wouldn't be this, you know, unquestionable consensus that, hey, Jordan's the guy because of all the criticism that would have been levied at him over the years. And, you know, you know, I've grown up with both guys in the you know prime of my life, MJ and LeBron. So I've seen both. Definitely MJ did feel indomitable. Like he did feel inevitable in a way that LeBron doesn't feel like. But let's just think uh, game wise. Let's compare both of their games real quick. Who's a better rebounder? Slam dunk LeBron, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, LeBron's bigger. He gets more rebounds. Yeah, easy. Better passer. MJ, underrated passer. He was a good passer. But he wasn't no LeBron as a passer. Let's just be honest here, right? LeBron is the better passer. He led the league in assists this past year. For, you know, a guy that's 6'9", 6'10", LeBron's a huge guy and he led the league in assists. Better score? Jordan for sure. Probably? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah, Jordan. Definitely the better scorer. But, you know, LeBron's no chump, right? This is not like Steve Nash, you know, who kind of topped out as a 20-point-per-game scorer kind of thing. LeBron, you know, he can score. But, yeah, I would say Jordan's probably the more versatile scorer if you had to get a bucket late. Yeah, Jordan over LeBron. Okay, I'll give him that. Clutch time scorer? Oh, everybody's going to run to say Jordan because he had the buzzer beaters. He had the Craig Elo shot. He had the, you know, Byron Russell shoving him in the backside, finger, you know, hand in the air after the release. Uh, yeah, but, you know, don't sell LeBron. LeBron, if you compare clutch time stats, LeBron's right there with MJ. He just doesn't have the defining moments, right? Probably his most defining moment is a defensive play, the block on Andre Iguodala in the 2016 finals. So there's kind of that, right? So let's just give that to Jordan by a hair. Better defender? Probably Jordan. I mean, he was a better defender for longer periods of time. But if you take peak defender... I mean, LeBron at his peak, those Miami Heat days, 2011, 2012, when he was flying around, guarding every position on the floor from the three-point line to the paint. I don't know if you compare the peak of both guys as defenders, who wins, but I'll give that to Jordan because for a longer duration, he was a better defender. But Jordan could never defend the rim like LeBron you know, could and did for a lot of these NBA finals, right? But I'll give that to Jordan better teammate not that that necessarily factors in two things but probably lebron i mean you don't really hear many bad things about lebron's former teammates they all kind of love him jordan's former teammates they love him because he got him rings and a lot of them especially in the heyday of the bulls the steve kerr's of the world and like the judd bushlers bill wennington these you know scrubs that played with jordan on those championship teams they said that Pippen was really the guy. Scottie Pippen was really the guy that kind of put his arm around their shoulders when Jordan would just go apeshit on him, right? 
Jordan had that tough love. He would dominate you into submission to see if you were worthy of being his teammate. And then Pippen would put his arm around you and kind of, you know, calm you down and show you some love. So I think LeBron was a better teammate. Definitely not as bitter and uh, cold-hearted probably as MJ, which, you know, worked in MJ's favor in many ways. Sustainability, longevity, LeBron all day, every day. Right, 17th year is still the best player in the world. And honestly, he's probably has been the best player for the last, I don't know, 10 years, seven, six, seven years, even though other players have won the MVPs and titles. I mean, those years that Curry won back to back, I don't know, Harden won. I mean, LeBron was probably still the better player those years. Not taking away from those guys, MVP, you know, credibility. They, they were MVPs. They had the best regular seasons those years, but LeBron was still the better player those years, and he's still the best player. So, I mean, in, in that debate, I know you guys are looking for an answer, but I would still give the slight edge to MJ, but, you know, LeBron still has a few more years. I think once his career is over in totality, you know, the stats are going to be overwhelming. Everything's going to be overwhelmingly in LeBron's favor, except the titles. Even if he gets to six rings, LeBron, he'll still have, you know, six blemishes on his resume, right? At least six finals losses, which whatever. I, I mean, you get to the finals 10 times, you win multiple rings. That's good enough for me, man. I don't care that you lost. He typically lost to better teams. I mean, he lost to the Warriors three times. That's super Warriors team. I and mean, what are you going to do? You ran up against arguably the best dynasty of all time in the Warriors. And he at least got one chip off them in a legendary comeback. So, you know, the Mavs series, though, I mean, that that one will stand out. But that was so long ago. And yeah, he didn't show up and they, they mind fucked him. And he was just a shell of himself that series. But so what, man? Shit happens. He learned. He grew from that. He became a better player. And he's never had those lapses and again. again. And who knows if 2011 never happened? Maybe LeBron wouldn't be the player he is now. Maybe he needed that, right? He needed that type of adversity to discover himself and kick it into another gear. So I'm going to give the edge to Jordan just a little bit. But LeBron's right there, man. He really is. And if you're a knowledgeable basketball fan and you're shouting from the rooftop that it's Jordan and it ain't even close, I don't know what to tell you, man, because I disagree. I completely disagree. It's close. It's closer than it's ever been between any Jordan and Jordan, you know, successor. Closer than with Kobe, closer than with, you know, Vince Carter, T-Mac, all those people. It's LeBron and it's MJ, two best players probably of all time. I don't know if you want to throw in Kareem in there and Russell and Wilt. I don't know, man. It's too tough. I don't have the perspective. I ain't been around that long to compare all those players from all those eras, but definitely in our lifetime, it's Kobe and MJ. I'm sorry, LeBron and MJ. And it's probably not even that close between them and everyone else. So as far as other thoughts, um, major kudos to the Heat. You know, um, they played a great series. I think we saw in game six, the true Lakers team, when they play that kind of defense and they play that dedicated and motivated and energized. They are arguably, you know, the best team in the league bar none. I think nobody would have stood in their way this year, no matter who would have came out, you know, of the East 
or if even if the Clippers had got their shit together, I think the Lakers were on a, a war path to get to the title. And I think they're the best team. That defense, AD going everywhere, there was just nothing that the Heat could do once it got to game six. I mean, the Heat were probably on weak legs, you know, those kind of things, you know. But the Lakers had played a lot of minutes too. But they just ran out of gas, the Heat. I mean, they gave everything they got to even squeeze out two games in these series. So by the time it got to game six, the Lakers smelt the blood. They saw early that the Heat were not looking like themselves. And they put the foot on the pedal and they said, let's go. Let's end this series now. No game seven. So big shout out to the Heat, though. I don't know. Future, it seems like the future is bright. But, you know, sometimes these teams make the finals and who knows what will happen to them, you know? You just don't know. They have to continue to build. And the Heat got hot. They had that layoff. But, I mean, if the playoffs had started without a layoff, who knows where the Heat would have been. But they coalesced. They came together. They figured something out in the bubble. Some guys got healthy. And they went on a run. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Heat are going to be good next year. Let's not say that. But returning to the finals is hard, man. I mean, we take LeBron for granted because LeBron, yeah, he made it back to the finals almost every year. But most teams don't. And just because you think a team is up and coming doesn't always guarantee any future success. So I'll keep my eye out on the Heat. I mean, they got some great young players, but I think we um, we saw the truth to some of that. Tyler Hero's stock went back down, came crashing back to earth. He's a great, okay, good young player. Not great yet. And he had a great series against Boston, or he had great moments. But the Lakers series, all series, didn't look great. I mean, really didn't. Had a couple moments, but he just looked like a fish out of water the whole series. Duncan Robinson had that one big game. Had a couple good games. But when push came to shove, the Lakers were more experienced. They were deeper. Their bench was better. They honestly were. So we'll see about the Heat, you know, what happens next year. But uh, Jimmy Butler, I think at least, worst case, has proven he's a superstar. Even if his stats don't always say that, I think people know when it comes crunch time in the playoffs, it's great to have Jimmy Butler on your team and he can get you to the promised land. Otherwise, you know, um, parting thoughts on the NBA season is that I'm going to miss it, man. I think having that three, four-month break during the pandemic kind of reinvigorated me a lot of NBA fans I think we were starving for basketball and we got it we were just you know foaming at the mouth ready to eat and we got some amazing games I mean when the seeding game started it it felt like there were four or five games every day on simultaneously and playoffs were every other day so we really didn't have to wait long for a game so it's been phenomenal and like I said at the beginning sad mournful grieving heart that season is over because I don't even know when the season's beginning again, when it's restarting for the next season. Adam Silver at first had kind of thrown out the idea of December, but then recently he's kind of walked that back and said, hey, you know, we're not in a rush. We really would like to get fans back in the stadium. So if they have to wait it out till January or February potentially, if that means they're going to get fans back in the arena, I could see the NBA doing that. I don't know how the season would get altered, but I don't think they want to do the bubble thing again. Even though it was a rousing, overwhelming success, I think the idea is if we can wait it out just a little bit, we will get back to a normal NBA season with fans. It may be shortened, and I don't know how they're going to work out the schedule and all that, but I think that is going to be the goal. I mean, I hope it's sooner than later. 
I don't want to have too many months sitting around. I mean, we got the NFL and we got a lot of the things happening. So yeah, college football, my time will be consumed with other sports. But God, I love the NBA, man. And I love this season and I love the restart and the bubble. I know the ratings didn't reflect it. And I know the average American probably didn't care that much. But hey, if you stuck it out with me 37 minutes into this podcast, you love hoops too, man. And I appreciate it. Thank you for listening again. Please rate and review us on iTunes. We look at all the reviews. We read them. In the future, if one of you guys leave us a nice review, maybe we'll give you a shout out, read your review on the pod. See you next week.